Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. The subject of today's message is sometimes misunderstood. What happens when God does not answer our prayers? First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chan has a great explanation of what's going on. So I just got word, you know, we, um, our water pump went down, went down downstairs. So I would highly recommend if you need to use the bathroom later today, stay upstairs and not downstairs. And those of you at home, use whatever bathroom you want to. <laughs> We've been having trouble with our, the water pump all week. So the topic is unanswered prayer. Um, seriously, I think we've all been at a place where we have been praying and praying for something, and it seems that the Lord is not answering our prayers. Um, as Pete Gregg wrote in his book, God on Mute, it can seem like the Lord is not listening, or he doesn't care, or is not powerful to change things. And these are heavy questions, and we're going to tackle them today. And for many of you, this comes at the right time, for it has been a difficult last few years. So please stand if you're able as I read the passage for us today from the Gospel of Luke in the 11th chapter, starting from verse 1. And here's what it says. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Those who seek, find. And to those who knock, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Okay. This is a sermon with many deep wells that you and your small group of friends may want to discuss later, so hang in there with me. First, let me give some important cultural context to the parable that Jesus told. During the time of Jesus, travelers would often walk late in the evening to avoid the blistering hot sun. 
tense in our story. The traveler arrives at midnight at his friend's house. Now, remember, in the ancient custom of the Middle East, hospitality is almost a sacred duty. Whenever a guest comes, they must provide food and drink, and not in small ways, but in abundance. The friend seeks bread. Bread was baked usually at home and normally enough for one day or else it becomes stale. And there's no late night, you know, 7-Eleven or Foodland to buy uh, when a need arises. So hence it's embarrassing for the host friend that he can't provide the hospitality he wants to extend to his traveler friend who dropped by at midnight. The host is desperate, in desperate need, and that's why he goes to his neighbor's friend to ask him to lend him bread that he could serve. Now let's go a bit deeper in the story. The friend's door was shut. In ancient Israel, doors are normally left open, and so if the door was shut, it was a clear sign that the house dweller didn't want to be disturbed. After all, it was midnight. Picture the first century Palestinian house. Normally, um, poorer homes only have one room with one little window. And the floor was just um, beaten earth covered with dried branches. And this one room was divided into two parts, normally not by a partition, but by a, a raised but low platform in one third of the house, and the other two thirds were on ground level. The raised part had a charcoal stove that burned all night, and the family slept around it for warmth, um, not on beds like we have, but more like on sleeping mats. And remember, families back then were normally large because the more children you have, the more workers you would have to help in the field or in the business or around the house. So a lot of people are sleeping on the floor. In addition, often families would bring into their homes their livestock, the hens and roosters and goats for safekeeping. This is true for many homes today in rural parts and other uh, parts of the world. I remember I once visited a home in Peru, and there were guinea pigs running around inside the house. I mean, it looked like 50 guinea pigs, and they were to be the Peruvians' family's future meals. In fact, my office has this miniature uh, Peruvian statuette of the Last Supper, and Jesus and the disciples are seated around a, a round table instead of a horizontal table like da Vinci's um, Last Supper painting. And smack in the middle of this round table, this Peruvian round table where Jesus is sitting, is a gutted guinea pig. Okay, I digress. So is it any wonder why a person who would not want to get up at midnight when someone knocks on the door and they would be disturbing and waking up the people and animals around them? And this is the parable that Jesus gives in order to explain how prayer really works. Jesus is saying, the man who is being awakened represents God. And we are the ones knocking on the door, pleading to get something from God. Okay, so fasten your seatbelts. We're going to take off um, on the deeper meaning of prayer. When it comes to prayer, the first point is be bold. Sometimes when we have a major issue in life um, that we want to talk to God about, uh, we might think, 
Oh, my concern is so little compared to other people's problems, so why bother the Lord or even knock on his door? And in this parable, Jesus is saying, look, if this person is willing to go to his friend's house at midnight and face the consequences of waking up the entire family, then you ought to realize that you can go to God too. You, the daughter or son of the king of kings. You can go to him in prayer with your concerns and problems anytime, anywhere. And hear this, but God will not turn you down like the man initially did in the parable. He is accessible and loving, and he would love to talk to you at any time or any place. Now, how do I know this? Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew in the 11th chapter these words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and the burden is light. In his book entitled Gentle and Lowly, author Dane Ortland describes the Lord as, quote, humble, gentle, Jesus is not trigger happy, nor harsh or reactionary, or easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. And then Dane Ortland writes this, you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. His rest is a gift, not transaction. Whether you are actively working hard to crowbar your life in smoothness, meaning labor, or passively finding yourself weighed down by something outside your control, heavy laden, Jesus Christ desire that you find rest, that you come in out of the storm, outstrips even your own. He doesn't simply meet us at our place of need. He lives in our place of need. He never tires of sweeping us up into his tender embrace. It is his very heart. It is what gets him out of the bed in the morning. The words of Dane Ortland. Jesus says, be bold. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And the door will never open unless you knock. And sometimes God may want you to pray what uh, Jim Collins calls that big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, and there may be someone here today uh, with whom God might be laying on your heart a need or a concern or a, a vision so big that you can't solve it or, or deal with it unless you give it all to him. Recently, um, I was in Kaka'ako visiting uh, a friend, John Leong, the CEO of Puno Pacific Land Management and the co-founder with his wife Nani of Kupu, a nonprofit organization. 
They assist uh, conservation managers and landowners with a monumental task of protecting Hawaii's natural resources. They are today Hawaii's first and largest private natural resource conservation company. And when I toured his office for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, John said, God did this. He gave all the credit to God. Years ago, as a young adult, uh, John uh, gathered together a mere $3,000 to start Pono Pacific and had to share his one computer with his mom. Uh, today, Pono and Kupu are um, multi-million dollar enterprises with hundreds of employees. And he helped to create with uh, Hawaii DOE an environmental program where students can get work experience, get paid for it, and get a high school diploma. It's the only one like it in all of the United States. Education, experience, and money. John Leong's personal three-word mission statement is aloha, pono, and faith. Aloha for God is love, pono for doing what is right with good character, and then third, faith for faith in God. He believes that God created us to be stewards, and if we have a healthy environment, then we will have healthy communities. He said God puts you where you're supposed to be, and then he opens up, hear the metaphor, another door, and gives you more responsibilities. Be bold, ask, seek, knock on the door, and it will be opened. Now, I've known John since he was a baby. I mean, I held him in my arms. Well, it makes me feel older. And um, decades later, I performed um, his wedding for him and Nani, and also baptized his uh, grandmother. And he prayed a big, hairy, audacious goal right after he graduated from high school that maybe he could protect Hawaii's land and ecosystems. And by God's grace and with a lot of prayer, the Lord did it through John. And John said to me this, unbeknownst at the time, God was testing my heart, asking me if you want to chase after a career like in New York City or San Francisco or do startups or work at banks, or do you want to do something that has a different purpose and meaning and be willing to give up those career goals and money and certainty to follow the call that I've put on your heart? John heard God's call and took the big gamble to start Pono Pacific. Now back to the parable. It's interesting that in our passage, there's this Greek word, uh, amedia, and it is this word for shamelessness. The parable in today's passage is saying that the man's shameless audacity is that not only is he coming late at night, but he's also awaking his friend's household. His friend may not even have a lot of extra bread. And yet, even after the friend says, don't bother me, I no more get nothing, he still gets up for his pesky friend. Why? It's because they're friends. Besides, Jesus, you know, in the Gospel of John, calls us friend. He can be our best friend that we can wake up at midnight. Jesus is saying, be bold like that when you talk to God. It's kind of the old J Jewish uh, wailing wall. He's saying, wail away. You know, if you read in the Psalms, 
in the context of being bold in prayer, and you might want to read Psalms in a brand new way, you'll find it's quite revealing. If you look at Psalms 70 and 71, for example, hear the demands and all of the imperatives, almost like commands, the psalm writer throws boldly at God. Psalm 70, verse 1, hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who seek my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. And may all who seek you rejoice, be glad in you. And may those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. And then you go into 71. In you, Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me. Deliver me. Turn your ear to me. Save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. That's about like 13 right there, shameless imperatives or commands to the Lord. In the first part of today's Luke's passage, Jesus is teaching us how to pray, what we today call the Lord's Prayer. And after saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the next step is one of the most audacious, bold prayers you can say. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not pretty please with sugar on top. Uh, uh, could you give me some bread if you could, if you don't mind? Can you please, I request. No, it's a bold, give us this day our daily bread. Now, why would Jesus teach us to be that bold? Like the centurion who says, heal my servant, just say the word. Or the father who says, heal my daughter, help my unbelief. Prayer is just saying straight to the Lord what is true in your heart and to say it with boldness, a bold confidence that he hears and that he's able to do anything. He knows what we are thinking, so we might as well say it. But wait, let's go a bit deeper. It's not just being bold. And this leads to point number two. Be humble and submissive. It is being bold in prayer, but it's balanced by knowing your place. The Lord's prayer begins with, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Right? Okay, so now we see the boldness is held in balance with a humble, submissive heart. The almighty God is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Honor his name. Glorify his name. And we sing that song often, glorify your name. Respect the one to whom you come into his throne room. It's the bold, imperative verbs. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sin. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, do it. But these imperatives must be balanced with, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will, thy will will be done, not ours. So hear this. The Lord will always answer your prayers. 
but not always how we want them to be answered. When we make a prayer request, we ask in context of the God who knew we were going to be created, who knew our loved ones would be created. And however he chooses to lead us and bless us, it will be for everyone's best interest. I think most of us have lost a loved one. Um, did I pray for my dad when he had a cardiac arrest in Hawaii when I was in California? Did I plead with God to save him? I was so distressed, desperately praying. But he died. And when my brother told me he had passed before I could get on an airplane, I kept saying, no, no, no. Did I pray that my mom would be completely healed from cancer? Did I knock on the door or pummel his door with my prayers and shout for healing? Yes. Did she ultimately die? Yes. As she is in heaven, is it harder for me here on earth? Yes. But God is in control. Hallowed be thy name. Sometimes we are mad at someone for something they said or did, and we might be terribly bold as even to pray, take them out, Lord, as if God is now the Godfather, Don Corleone. Lord, get them. Get them for the things they have said or done to me. But there again, Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins. Yes, I ask you, for you to forgive me for my sins. And then Jesus says, so balance that bold request with a humble as we forgive the sins of others. Ouch. Uh, Lord, I just meant for you to get that guy for his sin, not that I, I would have any sin. Oh, oh, wait. I have to forgive others as you, as you have forgiven me? Forgive us our sins implies that I am a sinner. And that sounds bad. But get this, Jesus makes it even clearer than that. He says you and I are evil. What? Remember that in today's passage, Jesus is not talking to a huge crowd, nor to the scheming Pharisees. He's talking to the apostles. They're the good guys in the story. And he said to them, if you then though you are evil. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying at least two things. We are sinners, all of us. All of us have imperfection. No one has the corner of all truth. And we have blind spots. And when we judge others on what they have said or not said, know that we're not much better in other places in our life. So be careful of how we condemn people who don't think like us or believe like what, or believe, uh, what we do. You know, I was listening to a Tim Keller podcast and he was speaking to a group of agnostics and atheists who questioned whether Christians... Uh, condemn those who are not Christian or who are not mature Christians. And Keller said this. This stuck with me. It's not as important as what you believe, 
but how you love those who do not believe as you do. Again, let me say it. It's not as important as what you believe, but how you love those who do not believe as you do. May those words help extinguish the fires of polarization. For that is where we see how you love. For did not our Lord say to love our enemies and forgive them? And that is why we always work on being unified and not divisive. It is not as important as what you believe, but how you love those who do not believe as you do. And in the Bible, God clearly says he wants our mercy more than our sacrifices, meaning he wants us to show mercy and love kindness and do justice to those who are different than we rather than the act of sacrifice that even the Pharisees and the hypocrites would do. Our actions will show if we really have the love of the Lord in our hearts. For even if we have done mighty things of ministry and our faith moves mountains, 1 Corinthians 13 says, we are just noisy gongs or clanging cymbals if we have not love for others. Hence, be bold in your prayers, but also be humble and submissive to the Lord, for he is the only perfect person in the room, for he shows us the way of love. Now let's go deeper. We're now ready to tackle the issue of unanswered prayer. My third and last point is be patient and refined. At the end of our passage, Jesus talks about fathers who will not give their sons a snake or a scorpion when they ask for an egg. Um, And then he says, if you then... If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When we go to God and see him, not like your earthly father, who may have been mean or abusive, but see God as the perfect heavenly parent, when a very young child pleads with a parent to have candy every day, the parent will pay attention to the child, but will say no because it's not in the best interest of the child. When a teenager asks for a Ferrari for a birthday, or to be able to play video games three hours a day or binge on Netflix every day, the loving parent will still love the child in spite of their saying no. The context of today's Bible passage is that we are children of God. It means we have the Lord's attention. We are a priority in his life. We are the apple of his eye. And it means he always wants the best for us. And when the answer seems no, it might still be a yes in terms of refining us or pruning or purifying us and making us more better. I was listening to a different podcast by Tim Keller, and he was saying for all of his 35 years, he has told his wife that he wants a fireplace at home. It would be relaxing and therapeutic. And when I heard that, I thought, yeah, that would be something I would want. I love campfires. I can stare in fireplaces or campfires for ages watching the dancing flames. And something is soothing and relaxing for me about small fires and putting logs on them. I don't know if anyone can relate to this. 
just me? Uh, okay. But I even take, take pictures of cool outdoor fireplaces at hotels and recreation areas, hoping that someday maybe I could put something like it in my front yard. Um, Pem would not want that. Uh, again, I digress. Um, Keller has wanted a fireplace for 35 years, but has never gotten one. His wife has always said no. I empathize. He, he realized that as long as the fundamentals of his life were in place, it was okay that he didn't get his fireplace. But if the fundamentals were not in order, meaning, let's say, his job or his friendships or his marriage, his children, then the fireplace was much more important and he would be more irritable about not getting it. So I wonder, when God doesn't give us what we want and we complain, we might realize at that time that some of the fundamentals in our life need refining, purifying, or put in order. For when those fundamentals are taken care of, maybe we realize that what we've been praying for for so long is not as important as we thought. Unanswered prayer refines us and purifies us during that season. So in that sense, prayer changes us. When we pray a lot, we get more connected to God. We understand his ways. If I may quote my friend John Leong again, from an interview I did with him for a graduate course I was doing a few years ago, he said this, and I quote him, faith is a big thing. One, it is directional. Nainoa Thompson, um, as he navigated the oceans, he said that the person who trained him could be asleep with his foot in the water and he would know if the canoe was going the wrong way. There is a connectedness. You have to have that connectedness to God to know if you're heading in the right direction. It's not about whether you are Christian or not, whether you are, when you are co connected to the creator of the universe, something gets unlocked. It helps you know where to head. Faith is important. You have to be able to get off the shores and go to deep waters, and if you have the confidence that God has got you, failure won't really be a failure if you're walking with God. And he has a plan and purpose and a promise that he has given and that is off of a relationship with him. No matter how bad it may seem, he will take care of us. I see that faith now and not just the early years. I know God has a plan and my resources and circumstances are such, but he will take care of us. The words of John Leong. We are children of God. And Jesus is telling us that we will always have priority with the Heavenly Father. So in prayer, be bold, but also be humble and submissive. And yes, be patient and be prepared to be refined. Anne Lewis said this about answers to prayer. And there are basically four answers God has to prayer, basically. Number one, no, because I love you too much. Number two, no, not now. Three, yes, I thought you would never ask. And four, yes, and here's more. In that sense, 
there's no unanswered prayer. God always answers us. Prayer changes us. And that is why we have to ask. Be in conversation with him always. Talk story. Take a while. Have three cups of tea, as the saying goes. And talk and listen and talk and listen. We won't, we won't always get what we want. But in the end, we'll, we will get what we want in the request, but perhaps not how we thought it would be. In the very last book of the Bible, and I close with this, the Apostle John saw our Lord knocking on a door. He was saying this to us all. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. You see, the gospel is always a story of another person who's knocking on a door. And it's Jesus. Unlike the rude man in the parable who knocks away, the Lord is a loving, persistent knocker. And remember, he is gentle and lowly, tender and humble. It is the Lord knocking on the door of your heart, saying, please open up. Let me be a part of your life. I can be your friend. And I will always fellowship with you as if eating and drinking with you. And I will always listen to our conversation. And so pray away. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, it's amazing how much you really desire to be our friend and to listen to us and talk story and share your insights and at times purify us and forgive us that we may forgive others and be loving all the time. Lord, there may be pe people here who may want to commit their lives to you for the very first time and say, man, if you're that kind of God, I'm in. And others are saying, I need to recommit my life in a new way and kind of ratchet it up in my friendship with you. And if there are any here who desire that, if they just say a simple prayer with me to begin on the journey with you, Jesus, or to recommit to that journey, to basically say this, and they can pray this, you all can pray this in your heart with me silently, by just basically saying, Lord, it would be great to be on a journey with you for the rest of my life. And I do see how you need to be the Lord of my life. And I do want to be humble and submissive to that and yet bold in our friendship to talk to you about what I think I need. Sorry that I've ignored you and maybe done some things that have been a barrier between us. And so I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you that you always do forgive us. So please come into my life. And as you said, you would send the Holy Spirit to come into us. 
I ask boldly, please do it now. Send us your Holy Spirit. And I commit my life to you in a new and fresh way. In Christ's name, amen. If by chance you did pray that, whether here at Kola or online, you'll notice there's a, a button online that says, I commit my life um, to Jesus and also ask for prayer. So hit, hit those buttons. And um, if by chance, you know, I'm just going to ask this and talk about being bold. If you did pray a prayer for the first time or a recommitment, could you just raise your hand for 10 seconds? And that's kind of an act of commitment to the Lord too. If anyone made that commitment today. Sorry, I have lights in my eyes. I don't always see it. Thank you. Okay. Let's continue in worship. Please stand if you're able as we truly want to glorify his name as we said in the sermon. Amen. Isn't it great we follow a God and a friend in the Lord that we need not be afraid in this life? It's always good to pray with others, and if some of you would like to pray with someone, our prayer team would love to pray with you just outside those glass doors in the corner and outside in a beautiful area. You can pray um, in confidence and, uh, and anything, emotional, physical, or spiritual need. And uh, please join us. Have some coffee at the Hebrews Coffee Bar. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And truly, may we live lives where we always glorify his name. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus is the Almighty One. Yes, he's our friend but he is still God, and only he knows what is truly best for us. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. First Prez invites you to church. Join us in person or online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at The Vine, or online at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with all that's happening at First Perez. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Perez can do for you, please reach out through the websites or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Perez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.